I'm Alan Kogan. Join me as I tour the country tasting different whiskeys and discussing the craft of distillation with local distillers, whiskey lovers, and even those who are new to the culture of spirits. Welcome to The Kogan Conversation. For this episode, I traveled to northern Wisconsin to hit up the Northern Waters Distillery in Minocqua. They call it the North Woods, and it is a beautiful spot. I talked to their head distiller, Jake Wallish, all about his craft and what he does as a distiller. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Well, Jake, thanks for having me. The Northern Waters Distillery on site in the distillery. I haven't been here, and I've had your whiskey before, so it's a privilege to be here, and I, I really appreciate you welcoming me in to your home and doing this for me. Hey, like I say to everybody that comes on a tour for the first time, I make people introduce themselves, which is kind of a, a nice breaker for me because I get just as nervous as anybody else does having a first-time <laughs> conversation. But it's kind of funny the reactions you get out of people that are looking at each other like, I really have to say my name, you know? <laughs> but, you know, and then I say, you know, who's who's been here before? And it's a show of hands. And for the ones that haven't, it's always, welcome to Northern Waters Distillery. My name's Jake, and let's have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how long have you actually been doing this at the distillery? Uh, I've been a year and a half here. Okay. Uh, our founders, uh, Peter and Lisa, they uh, they brought me on would be last May, so we're coming on that year and a half now. Um, since have um, sold the facility and I stayed on with the new ownership. Cool. And it's been just uh, kind of a trial by fire and grew up with it. It's it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. How does someone get into distilling? How did you find your place here? And I mean, what does it mean to be here for you? For me, it's it was an absolute stroke of luck. <laughs> um, I was born and raised in the area. I grew up um, about 45 minutes north of here in Manthush Waters, went to Lakeland High School, graduated in 2000. So this was always home for me. Sure. So on weekend trips and visits, I remember looking for a, th there's a, there's a smoke shop in town that has some of the best ribs. And I remember me and dad going on a weekend trip and going, hey, we need some barbecue. <laughs> so we went to the location where the barbecue joint was and we walked in and it wasn't there. And it was Peter standing behind the counter with this big smile on his face. It was, welcome to Northern Waters Distillery. And me and dad kind of looked at him like, where's, where's the smoke shop? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is a new distillery. We just opened this up and you want to try some whiskey? And we went, yeah, yeah you know? of course. It's not smoked meat, but it's whiskey. It's just as good, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, my track record kind of took me out of here in the year 2000, graduated Lakeland High School, moved over to Menominee. Went to UW-Stout. Uh, I, I studied there for six years. I uh, got my bachelor's degree in hospitality, tourism, restaurant management. Oh, cool. Uh, moved to Wausau after that. I was the banquet sales coordinator at Herford Hops for two years. Um, it's kind of a grill your own kind of steakhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess Wisconsin's got a couple other places, like the Prime Quarter, I yeah. think is still one. Sure. It was very similar to what we had. And that would just kind of got me in into work in the restaurant industry again. I kind of always grew up in it. I had different jobs up here as a dishwasher, prep cook, uh, line cook at little places up here. And it kind of got me back to my roots a little bit. Very cool. Uh, so that was a two year stint. And then the place ended up uh, sadly going out of business. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just absolute luck, a merchandiser job came for um, a liquor wholesaler by the name of Badger Liquor yep. based out of Fond du Lac. Yep. And I applied for it and I was a merchandiser for four months, just pretty much chasing trucks around and putting stuff on the shelves and getting used to brands and labels. And yeah. um, after that four month stint, uh, the sales route became available in Marshfield and I applied for it and got into it and had the boss uh, at the time literally throw a route list on my lap and said, you're a smart kid, you'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, so it was, uh, it was kind of a bittersweet thing. You know, you got the job and then it was like, Oh no, I got the job. Right? <laughs> it was an instant panic. You know, right. I knew the brands, but didn't know how to sell it. Sure. And I was really good at putting it on the shelves and moving cases, you know, the grunt work, but meeting customers face to face and then having to ask your current customer where the next place is down the road. Right. I mean, that's how I learned the route. Sure. Sure. And at the beginning it was 163 customers. Wow. So it ended up being kind of a, a cool thing, but ended up being a 15 year career. Yeah. Um, a lot of death by PowerPoint, you know, <laughs> learning everything about the liquor industry and the uh, distilling industry. I know how that is. Yeah, I got to uh, go to Kentucky a couple of times on incentive trips. Uh, been up to Windsor, Canada, up to Hiram Walker Palace. That was fantastic. You know, it's kind of the birthplace of uh, Canadian Club and mm. kind of the bootleggers up here. Sure. You know, that's where they were coming from, running down 51. Yeah. Um, so actually seeing kind of how that all worked out and how the Northwoods played into that. 
was like seeing a little bit of home. Yeah. You got to see the whole story. It all came around. Um, so after 15 years there, Peter and Lisa decided that uh, they wanted a new distiller. I ended up applying for it and once again, got lucky and got the opportunity. Wow. That's been great. Well, have you learned on the job or did you have to do any kind of pre-training for that? 100% on the job. Okay. Yeah, 100% of the job. Um, I just, I, when I first got the job, you know, you, you, you think about different titles, you know, you look up master distiller and it says, what does it take to be a master distiller? <laughs> I mean, I remember Googling that and seeing yeah. what that was. And it says, you know, there really isn't a definition, nope. you know, it's just kind of a, it's not a catchphrase, but it's a title. It's kind of handed down, you know, right. you earn it. Right. And I have people that ask me on a tour, you know, oh, hey, we get to see the master distiller. I'm, I'm the head distiller, but not the master. There's so much to learn, <laughs> you know? So it's, you know, I don't want to be pigeonholed by it either. You know, we have one thing that we say here on uh, the founder kind of said it in the beginning that we're very confident in our processes and our procedures here. Mm -hmm. We're also very confident that those processes and procedures are going to change because with the, you know, with the induction of technology, things change so fast. Sure. In a new, you know, a new yeast, a new yeast strain, a new way to work a product, a new way to make a bourbon, a little bit different cook. If you're not always learning in this thing, you're just not doing it right. I don't think. Sure. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why I like coming to places like this and talking to people like you at a small craft distillery, because you, there's so much more, it feels more TLC that's put into the whiskey making. I mean, <clears throat> I can hear it in your voice. You're, you love what you do. You take care of what you do. And it's not just another product. It's an actually, it's, it's a, it's a craft, right? It's not just a large corporation making some kind of commodity. It's a thing that you have a hand on and you love it. So walk me through, how, how do you, how do you do this? How do you start with distilling at a craft distillery? Thank God I had a good basis. <laughs> you know, we had a, with Pete being here, you know, and I, I'm not saying it like he was just a golf pro, but he was just a golf pro and he'll even say it. And how did you get into distilling? how did you get into the, you wanted to own a distillery? Right. And his answer was, I, I like whiskey. <laughs> so it's, it's a simple answer, but it's, you know, it's a genuine answer. I liked whiskey. So he went through the growing pains of kind of learning what worked and what didn't for, you know, the things we, the things we make here. So I kind of got, I got the raw materials kind of handed to me. Gotcha. You know, so the basic procedures were here. The basic principles of what we wanted to do were here. Um, they're going on their 10th year. We're going on our 10th year here. So that's a, it's a great thing for a small, you know, I talk about a small business being successful 10 years. I don't know how often you hear that anymore. Right. A little small operation, especially in the distilling world when it's just monsters around you. Absolutely. And to say in little Northern Wisconsin, we got 10 years in the distilling industry. It's really cool. I think it's, it's something to definitely hang your hat on. Well, especially with with how things have happened in the world recently with the pandemic and things that have shuttered small businesses. You guys have hand sanitizer, man. Hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer. <laughs> and I love that because a lot yeah. of craft distilleries survived on doing that and right. pioneering that. And that's so ingenious. Right. So I mean, kudos to you for being able to be a part of that. But, Absolutely. You know. And, and that's the other thing about being craft. I I explain on my tours. People say, you know, what what makes you different? And the it's an easy answer. It's literally everything. Sure. From when I talk about procedure, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's just kind of glancing, glazing over it, but it really is. It's ev literally everything's different. You know, we have 600 pounds of grain in a mash versus the industry's got thousands of pounds of grain. Right. You know, continuous distill processes, everything automated. You hardly ever see anybody in the buildings when you go on these big tours. So when you walk in and we call, you know, you, you can kind of explain what the tasting room looks like, but it's a giant piece of glass. Yeah. And we talk about it being in the fishbowl. Right. Because it really is. You're you're in there, you know, and it doesn't matter if you, you're walking across gracefully or you catch your foot on a hose going across the room, you're going down and everybody's seeing you. <laughs> so I guess on, the, on that aspect of it, it's, it's the double-edged sword. You can look really cool or really stupid really fast, <laughs> but it's, you get to see the entire operation and actually seeing people working it. And the cool part, and that's why I say that we're craft, is if we want to change something just a little bit, change up our mash bill, change a procedure, you know, we want to throw a different flavor of malt in, uh, change up our corn, you know, volume versus our wheat or our rye. It doesn't have to be the same every time. Sure. You know, when you talk about the big guys, when you grab a national bottle off the shelf, you expect it to be that bottle that flavor profile every time you grab it it right. doesn't matter how many times you grab it it's gonna be the same but what keeps us interesting here and i think you're gonna see when we do some of our tastings that 
our limited releases and even our base bourbons, they can be different every time. And that's the fun part about it. That's the cool part about it. Yeah, and that was one of the questions I was gonna ask you is, is, is how free do you feel to experiment and play around with things? Because that's the fav- my, one of my favorite things about whiskey is just going into the, un- the untenored you know, valley of what we don't know. The best answer we have is why not? Yes, why not? Why not? You know, you ask, you, you think it's, you think it's something stupid and you don't know until it's an absolute dismal failure. Right. But we have a wall of shame or wall of fame. We got some really cool things up there from <laughs> over the years, but we got some really terrible things up there, sure. but you don't know until you try it. And I think being the craft side, we have the opportunity to try that where maybe some of the big guys don't. Absolutely. You know, if you're looking at a, a white and black label, that's gotta be the same every time. We yeah. don't have to worry about that. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, you being way up here in Monaco, Wisconsin, uh, more north than I'm from. I'm from Milwaukee, right? I, but I spent a lot of time up in Door County area. I love northern Wisconsin. I've been in Monaco before, but I've never been here. I was in Monaco at an age when I could not be here. <laughs> but uh, um, <clears throat> what, is, what does this small town mean to the distillery? How, how, how much of an impact do you have on the community? Is there other, do you guys have events here? Do you, do you give your spent grain to local farmers? Are you sourcing local grains from farmers in the area? How does it all work? Right, so that's that's another big thing for us. We <clears> try to serve, source as much of it locally as we can. Cool. Um, our primary farmer is Northern Tier, um, group out of Ryan Lander. And it's just, it's, it's a couple guys that had a couple fields made corn. And the, the way I was told the story by Pete is these guys wanted to wanted to buy a mill. Yeah. And it's another one of those things, why not? You know, let's <laughs> try it. So they milled the product and they brought it to Pete and said, you know, if this is something you guys can make into whiskey, Sure, we don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it'd be the best thing we've ever had. Maybe it'd be the worst thing we ever had. But it turned out it was it was fantastic. It sure. gives a good yield, a good t- good tasting whiskey. Um, they also do our our wheat. They do our rye. So a lot of local there. Um, our sweetening agents. We like to use honey and maple syrup. Man, those are local producers. Um, what else do we get? Uh, cranberry juice. Oh wow! So all of our cranberry based spirits come from Lake Nokomis Cranberry. We get raw cranberry juice come the spring of the year and it goes into our cranberry vodka, our cranberry gin, and our cranberry moonshine. So we try to do that locally. Um, Brees is our malting. I mean, that's right out of uh, central Wisconsin. Wow. Um, you know, when we, we have concentrates with blackberry and blueberry that kind of come from the industry, but for the most part, a lot of our stuff stays as much locally as we can. Our spent grains go to, uh, to one of our farmers up in Butternut. He's, he feeds his cows and his pigs with it um, that he uses for for his business, for his slaughter. He's got a butcher shop and all that kind of stuff and swears it's the best the best meat. Uh, I got some on order, so we'll see, but <laughs> that's Heritage Meats and he does his uh, his feeding there. So yeah, trying to trying to be as local as possible, you know, try to do, I don't think we do anything artificial. I mean, our flavoring agents are honey, maple syrup, agave syrup. Uh, our colors come natural from our fruits, our fruits and vegetables. Uh, we don't use any artificial coloring in there, so it's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. When this distillery first started, and I know you weren't there, but do you know, did they start with their own product or did they do MGP sourcing to start off? <clears throat> nope, and as we go through our tasting, I'll kind of show you. Um, Pete definitely adopted the process of your white spirits pay your bills Yeah. as you're working through the system. So Moonshine was the start. You know, an original moonshine, don't have to age it. You know, if, if you do it right, it doesn't taste like gasoline. It, right. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good spirit. Yeah. And then flavoring, it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, apple juice makes apple pie. Uh, lemonade makes, you know, a, a lemon base moonshine. Mm-hmm. Cranberry juice changes that a little bit. So yeah, his white spirits paid the bills while the, the good stuff was aging. Awesome. And I, and I like, uh, I like a story I tell. We have customers in here all the time. I said, oh, I was one of, I wasn't the first customers, one of the first customers for Northern Waters, one of the first customers. I said, that's really cool. How do you prove that? <laughs> you know, you, you can't prove it. I have it. a punch card. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I got, I got one better. Uh, my dad and I, we have been collecting bourbon throughout the years, you know, with me being a salesman for so many, it was pretty easy to get. Sure. Bourbon used to be easy to get and the good stuff used to be easy to get or what we thought was good stuff. Right. 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 So. We went through the liquor cabinet and I found an original bottle of Jimmy's Room bourbon and just because we hand label every bottle and we we hand finish them with the, with the proof signature and the age verification and all that. And I turned that bottle around. It was barrel number one, bottle number two. So maybe I can say I was one of the first customers <laughs> or at least one of the first bourbon buyers. So sure. that's kind of fun. 
That's really cool. And you have Jimmy's Room Bourbon now too, right? Yep, Jimmy's Room Bourbon is our house bourbon. Okay. Um, we kind of do it in two different aspects. We have our rail, uh, our rail supply for there. That runs about 80 proof and our retail is 86. Okay. Uh, three years old. We don't cheat it. I mean, if it's not three years, it's it stays in the barrel until it gets there. Sure. That's one thing I, I kind of pride myself in and, uh, you know, kind of support the big industry. If it's not of age, it's not something we can just blend to make better. If it's if we want it to be three years and that's the flavor profile and that's the maturation we want out of it, yeah. we let it sit. Awesome. Yeah. I've, I, so I just tried just a little bit ago your new Porcher's Rye. That was phenomenal. Um, and then I think I have a bourbon on my shelf from years ago. I don't know how old the bottle is, but it's the Northern Waters bourbon. It's just the, the basic label. Yeah, that'd be our Jimmy's room then. That's the Jimmy room? Yep. Okay. I wasn't yep. sure. It's great stuff. But speaking of whiskey, walk me through these samples that we have in front of us because I'm going to start drooling if we don't taste them soon. <laughs> so I, I learned from a, an old guy, my first trip to Kentucky, he said, uh, he'd been selling whiskey a long, a long, long time at that point. And he said, as soon as you go to a distillery, and this is kind of something I've, I've taken as, uh, I guess, kind of like my whiskey Bible, my Bible 101, you know, however you want to look at it, is <laughs> if you want to see where a distillery is at, check out their white goods first. Yeah. You know, if, you know, for us, it's our, it's our original moonshine. Uh, I got a sample of our white good. This is, this is 155 right off the still. This is our bourbon mash. So, um, it's hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 155 proof, but even when that hotness kind of dissipates, it's still that sweet corn sure. and it mellows out smooth. It just shows where your cuts are and, and, and where you're paying attention, where it's important. You know, we're able to put out a three-year-old bourbon because it's really good at three years. And I think that's because we pay attention to our cuts in the beginning. We're using a premium ingredient to start. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't have the fantastic water like Kentucky does, but our old water's pretty good. It's pretty clean. It's pretty neutral. It's not adding any foul flavors or profiles to it. Sure. So going through, you know, the white spirit, I think is important. You can see where distillery is at. Then after that's going to be our, our baseline Jimmy's Room Bourbon. That's our, our real presentation at 80 proof. Okay. And then going down the line, um, our limited releases. Uh, the first one I'm going to have for you is uh, we, we do a double barrel program here. Well, we'll take uh, immature whiskey. It's about two years old. Mm. Um, some of it ends up being rail stuff or <clears throat> mostly for like transfer barrels is what was what we call it. And we work with uh, wine producers, beer producers and maple syrup producers, and we'll get those barrels out in market. Uh, Rocky Reef down in Woodruff is a, is a group that works with us where they'll age their beer in one of our bourbon casks for 12 to 18 months. Yeah. But then we want that barrel back <laughs> Yeah, because then we can play with them for a second time. So we might lose the bourbon moniker because it's just not, it doesn't fit the rule set anymore. Right. But it still gives us a really unique proud. So our, our, uh, our number three is going to be the buckshot. That's going to be a beer finished. Uh, number four is going to be the bird shot, which is wine finished. And then one I think you're pretty excited about is our uh, double barrel spring fever. And that's our maple syrup. Yes. Finished. Yes. Yeah. That's like cheating. Just going to uh, warn you. Uh, I'm a... <laughs> I'm a sweet tooth, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna do it. <laughs> well, very cool. Uh, tell me about your uh, your general mash. I know is it is it a high corn or do you do any high rye? Uh, we do. Uh, our our base is a is uh, people always ask, what's your mash bill? You know, you don't have to hide it. You know, it's, right? It's it's 400 pounds of corn, 100 pounds of wheat, 50 pounds of malted wheat, and 50, 50 pounds of malted barley. So it's it's really easy. But it's just you know. The technique is what's there. Sure. So very, I think a simple mash, but that we can tweak it. You know, if we want to hit it with some rye, we do have a high rye bourbon that we make. Um, you know, cut the wheat out, raise the rye, raise the wheat. You know, if we want to, we've actually done some different, uh, some malts. We did, we have a, a caramel and a chocolate malt that sit in barrel in the oh, back. Wow. That's going to be fun. I mean, it was candy going in the barrel. I don't know what it's going to do with matures, but <laughs> syrup. Yeah, it's, I hope maybe <laughs> be a really good uh, a bitters base for the bar. Maybe sure, sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, shall we? Yep, absolutely. All right. So, white dog first. White dog first. Cheers, man. Prost. Appreciate it. Oh, that's hot, but it's sweet. Oh, and that's what I'm talking about when you're when you're talking about where is it going to start. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the sweetest white dogs I've ever had. You're not kidding. That's like candy. It's perfect. Right? Wow. I just think that's why you, where you can get that three-year-old finish because was, the start of it is so nice. I was going to say, because I, I mean, you see a lot of seven, eight plus year bourbons that, that age bourbon that 
makes me ask, you know, have you ever tried aging it further? And from what this tastes like, why would you? I think Wisconsin's lucky in the respect that we have the volatile seasons. Mm -hmm. It makes those barrels work for us a little harder. So maybe we're getting, and I, I've heard about the Wisconsin style whiskey or the Wisconsin style bourbon before, and just experience it working at this distillery. I, I see it. I've had eights and tens and, you know, the twelves, you know, and some even the big high, high age scotches. And I think our three-year-old holds up pretty well because our base spirit is, is so nice. I mean, that thing is just, yeah, for 155 and that sweet, and that's pretty nice. I'm asking for a friend, but do you sell this? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that beautiful. But it's the traditional big corn up front. Yeah, the creaminess of that of that wheat in the back. Mmm. Wow, that's impressive. I'm speechless because usually white dog. Is, is almost offensive to a point where, you know, it's just hot. Right. And there's a little bit of flavor there. Um, but I think we, we've talked about this before, is that, you know, it, if you're not putting a good product in the barrel, aging it is not going to help. No, if uh, I, I listen to Tommy Boy, <laughs> I, and I love that one skit, you know, if you want me to you know, take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I can do that. I got spare time. But, <laughs> you know, if, if you got a if you got a r good raw spirit in the beginning, it should get better. You yeah. Know, I don't think the barrel can save it sometimes. Right, right. You know, if you got something that's, you know, sweet and smooth in the start and it gets sweet and smooth and it gets that mature value to it, I would think that's where your your, your toffees and your caramels come from is as those flavor profiles kind of develop. Right. If it starts from the good base, I think it's got that chance. Yeah. One thing I noticed too now that I've, I've, I've had a little sip of water and it's been sitting in my mouth quite a bit, this has not dried out my mouth at all. No. A lot of white dog will just suck the water right out of your mouth. It's almost like a Cabernet right. dryness. Right. This this is sticking to the teeth. Yep, that's impressive. It's even in the back of the palate. That sweetness is still. It's, it's your whole mouth feel. Yeah, and I, I notice on this one, I have that 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 coating mouth feel. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point, sometimes the, you get that even aged stuff that you get that big smoke and big wood. It, it sucks all that dryness. It just takes all that moisture out of your mouth. You lose the flavor profile. It just kind of disappears. Right, right. No, that's awesome. So that aged for four four years. Three years, I'm sorry. Yep. Age for years. three years is the next one, which is the Jimmy Jimmy's Room Bourbon. Correct. So that's our three-year-old Jimmy's Room Bourbon. Actually, this is not the three-year. This is a two-year and a 15-gallon cask. Okay. That we cut to 80 as our as our rail, but our retail is a full three-year and a 30. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Cool. Well, cheers. Ooh. So the hotness is gone. Right. Obviously. What's the proof on this? 80. 80? Yep. <clears throat> but that sweetness is still there. And it's, uh, there's a lot more like a baking spice flavor to that. Yep. Much more classic bourbon flavor. Classic bourbon. Got the um, little smoke on the back end. That wood tannins kind of bite in the back of the, in the back of the palate. Yeah. It's a little toasted. I yep. like that. Do you, but not over smoke. No. What level char are, are you using? Is it uh, threes and fours. Threes and fours. Okay. Yep. That's, that's beautiful. Yep. Um, Wow, that's good. And that's a that's a two-year whiskey in a 15-gallon barrel. So I would never know. I mean, you could. It's a light. It's a light-colored um, bourbon, so I guess that might give away the age a little bit. But as far as flavor, this tastes like a a premium four-year plus bourbon. That's phenomenal. And 15. I, I don't know if this is a gimmick that the industry sells, but I know smaller gallon barrels sometimes they call it speed aging. It, it, it ages a little quicker. Is that something you've encountered? Do you feel it has a different flavor profile because of a smaller barrel? I think it's because of a smaller barrel and the way that our, our room isn't temper uh, isn't temperature controlled. Sure. So we have that that luxury of those those cold colds and you know in the hot days. Um, and I think different spots in our in our aging room affect that also you know concrete floor open air now the big garage door is there for coming in and out so it's the ac isn't affecting that room right. so it's always doing some sort of fluctuation gotcha and i think that has to affect the barrel in some respect oh, of course of course i have you i, I kind of asked this before but have you experimented with a longer run bourbon like do you have a barrel out there sitting for eight years just to see what happens we do we actually have some 53s that are sitting just inside the uh, oh, distillery cool. And those are the ones people always ask, you know, is that all you have aging here? Is that all you have? You know, how do you, how do you run, <laughs> how do you run a distillery with, 
you know, eight barrels sitting in the warehouse. Yeah. And, and I love, I love that because it kind of gets me that setup of there, there's a green button that opens the garage door to get into the, the aging warehouse and a guy that's just on you, you know, that's a guy go make the push the button. So when he gets to finally push the green button, I call it taking him to heaven. You know, the story about angel share and all uh, that kind of, of stuff. I haven't pushed the green button and they spin around. It's oh man, they are here, you know, but, uh, those are the ones we're trying to see what age does to our profile. Okay. Um, if we keep our hands off it long enough, you know, I think uh, there's two of them are going on on a 53. There's two of them going over three years, I think this month or next. So wow. I'm hoping that we can get a five year, six year, you know, see what happens. That'd be awesome. Yep. How often are you guys tasting out of it just to see where it's at? I haven't touched them. Haven't those touched are still them. sealed from the day they were they were put in. So, I love that. Yep. So when those get tasted at a five year, that's going to be the first time those things are opened. Wow. Once in a while, we forget where a barrel is sitting in the warehouse. <laughs> so when we get to our spring fever, that's actually a forty-seven month old. Oh wow. So that's uh, that'll be probably one of the oldest whiskeys that have come out of distilleries at forty-seven months. Wow. Okay. Very neat. I've I've heard stories too of craft distilleries that have gotten bought out by other owners and they find an old barrel in the basement that hasn't been touched and it has a label on it you can't read. Right. Crack it open. Like, oh, this is <laughs> something a little special. Yeah. There, huh? <laughs> got lucky on that one. <laughs> I don't know if we could sell this. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got a. I, when we do samples out of our barrels, we always have when we pull hundred ml samples, and you know just tasting to see what's ready, what's not ready, sure. kind of thing. And. When we get done with those samples and have made selections based on those samples, we have these bottles in the back that are called our Hodge barrels, our, 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 our Hodge bottles. So it's Hodgepodge. So everything that came that week that we sampled, you know, it may be 50 mLs of this and 80 mLs of that, but it all goes in that bottle. Right. And when I have friends and, you know, family that comes back and what's in a Hodge bottle this time? And I think we got uh, bottle 8.5 and Hodge 9 sitting back there right now. <laughs> And those end up being some of the best whiskeys. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And then my buddy's like, oh, when are you selling this? I'm like, it's kind of a one-off. You know? <laughs> but how can it be a one-off? It's so good. It's, I don't really know what's in it. Yeah. It's, it's accidental. <laughs> yeah. Accidental perfection almost. It ends up being pretty good stuff. Right. Oh, that's phenomenal. All right. So what do we have next? What's our third tasting? So now we're going to one of our first limited releases. This is uh, our Buckshot. Okay. Our Buckshot is a 27-month-old. Um, white oak barrel. Okay. So that's it. That's the base. So that one's actually a base bourbon. Base bourbon, 27 months, then transferred into a barley wine cast for an additional 13. So that one's got a total age of 40 months on it. Wow. Okay. That's the third? Yep. Number three. Well, cheers. That barley wine really imparts some depth on that one. It's a much more rounded sweetness. Yep. It's not, it's not such a... A, a bourbon corn punch in the mouth sweetness. It's more of a like a like a red berry red wine. Oh, I mean, you so can good. you can even smell it as it just yeah. And that aftertaste is interesting. It's got what? more of that. It's got a bigger char value to it for me almost. Yeah, it's like a, a burnt caramel. Right, almost. and then it's almost like a sour beer profile right on the end. Yeah, like I imagine if you walked. In the frat houses, grabbing a lot those last cans of beer that were sitting around for a couple of days because you were out of beer money for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of funk. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's so different, but in a good way. I love that. So, uh, what This is the wine finish, right? Yep. Do so this is our wine finish. Where, what wine is it? Do you know? It, it's a barley wine. It's so barley wine. We okay. actually have the winemaker on here. Uh, he grabbed the barrel and he aged his barrel his barley wine there for 13 months. So we got it back after that. Wow. Yep. So that gave us a 40 month total on that guy. Do you guys get to switch, like swap uh, products and say, hey? All the time. That's awesome. All the time. <laughs> and that's where the fun part of that craft thing is. Right. That these these barrels are going. I, had a, I got a guy that was, uh, where was he from? I think he was from Iowa, up here on a, a weekend vacation and saw our barrels and then saw that they, that we have those limited releases, those double barrels. And he goes, yo, I'm a home brewer. <laughs> oh, okay, talk to me, because that's that's interesting, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's where the craft thing starts, 100%. It's it's what do you, what can you develop in a small scale and then kind of blow it up? And he said, yeah, he goes, I made, a, I made a beer that ended up winning a gold medal. And it was something I never imagined. It was the first beer the guy ever made. Maybe not the first beer he made, but the first one he was proud of. Sure. And decided to put it into a competition. 
and ended up winning gold. <laughs> so he goes, what if I want to do, what if I want to do a, a barrel aging with that? And I said, I'll do that. Yeah. So I threw him a five gallon barrel that was uh, our old bourbon barrel. He's taking it home. He's making up that same award-winning beer, gonna put it in that barrel, and then we're gonna get that barrel back. What so, a good idea. Yeah, so that's great. I love having those conversations because that gives you, you know, one of the first things I asked the original founder is, how do you come up with ideas? And he goes, trust me, that's not a problem. <laughs> Finding the time to make these ideas come to fruition is is the real problem, right. you know, just a time constraint. So this guy's gonna do some of the work for me, right? <laughs> he's gonna take that barrel, he's gonna age it up, give it a flavor profile, and then we're gonna put our whiskey back in it. So we're gonna have his gold, his gold medal winning beer and see what that does. Yeah, that's so cool. And the same thing with our wine guys. You know, we got we have home wine guys and um, we got a couple of wineries we work with on a regular basis. Um, you know, and they're always trying new stuff so that our barrels come out a little little bit different every time, a little yep. bit different age on them. So the, the patience that it takes to make these things. If you start with a good product and you have this, 40 months is not that long compared to what you think. Six, seven, eight months. I don't want to wait there are years. I don't want to wait that long. I just think that the, sometimes the industry has kind of poisoned itself a little bit yeah. saying that, you know, the age snobs are out there, right? I mean, it just, it happens to be because that's the information that we were handed when we first started drinking. If you're not drinking a six year or an eight year or 10 year, you're drinking terrible products. Right. I just don't think that's the case anymore. No. I think guys, well, I, I can show what a three year bourbon and a three year, you know, specialty age whiskey can really taste like. Right. I mean, when, when I saw, you know, even the white dog, that's an unaged spirit and you kind of rose your eyebrows going, well, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> bottle that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. What's next? So the fourth selection there is our, uh, another one from a double barrel. That's our bird shot. That's actually a wheat. So that's our, our old 51 wheat mash. Okay. Which is another one of our whiskeys. Uh, that was aged 26 months in its own charred barrel and then finished eight months in a Cabernet barrel. So Ooh. that's going to be your traditional kind of wine forecast on that one. And that's also from a uh, a home wine guy that took the barrel home. So that one's got a, a total 40 month age on that one. Okay. I'm a, I don't know if you're a big wine guy outside of whiskey, but I, uh, like I love whiskey. Um, I'm not that big of a beer guy anymore. Craft beers. I mean, maybe a bourbon barrel aged stout sometimes in the winter, but um, my stomach has now developed a, uh, a sickness to beer sometimes after two Miller lights set a brewer game. I'm kind of like, for you, uh, uh, cocktails. can't do that. Yeah. No, but I love wine too. And Cabernet Sauvignon is my absolute favorite. Uh, That's kind of how I went through school a little bit, uh, being part of that, uh, the H and T program. Oh yeah. They actually had a specialty class that was uh, wine and spirits. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was taught by a fantastic professor. And after taking the class and doing well in it, I got invited to be a teacher's assistant for the following semester. Cool. So that that's where my wine kind of love grew. Okay. You know, having having to be being told how different things taste and what to look for, that really opened up your knowledge and absolutely for everything else. You know, wine and food pairing. You know, whiskey and food pairing. How those profiles come together when you're picking up. You know, like you say, I love listening to some guys that, that talk about what a whiskey tastes like or what they're smelling. Right. You know, you're hearing the toffee note or a caramel note. What does that really taste like? And you can actually train your palate to pick up those nuances, what makes it all more fun. And wine was my avenue for that. Sure. You know, having somebody say, do you know what a current tastes like? Well, no. Who, who eats currants on a regular basis? <laughs> but after you do a little bit of research, and then you can look for those nuances in your wine. You can pick those up and you can remember those or what a blackberry tastes like or what a sour cherry tastes like. And then thinking about brown sugar and whiskey and caramels and whiskeys and toffees and whiskeys, if you know what those base profiles taste like, picking those up makes the tasting experience so much more fun. Absolutely. That's why I'm my joys about this is I have people on too that aren't within the distilling world and, and they, they, they think they know bourbon. It's like, well, have you had this bourbon? Right. Like, Whoa, right. what's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something a little bit different that it spikes your interest. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Not everything's a Buffalo Trace. Right. Which is now $100 a bottle for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So, the cab finished. Yep. Cab finished. Oh, that's way different on the nose, too. That is very fruited. And that one has more of that kind of takes the, puts the dryness in your mouth on the back end of that one. Yeah. That's that that big cab backer. That finish almost evaporates right away. Right. Which I love. 
And how long does that age in the cab barrels? That's 40 months. 40 months. Or in that cab barrel would be eight months in, eight the, months cab. in the cab. Yep. Okay. So a 40 month total, total gotcha. age. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's so that's cheating. That's that's so smooth. That's not whiskey. <laughs> it's really good whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's dangerous. That's what it is. Oh, wow. See, and this is why I like bourbons like this that, I mean, you take the bourbon sweetness that everyone knows, the brown sugar, the caramel, the toffee, the vanilla, um, but then you do something different with it and you get so much more nuance and flavors. And I, I've told everyone that I've, I've talked to this that I, I'm a big scotch fan. I love scotch whiskey. And one of my favorite party tricks for people who are uninitiated who think, oh, all scotch is peated and smoky. Like, no, 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 no. Most of Scotland is not using peat, actually. But I've always thought that scotch is more of a complex, nuanced spirit. And bourbon has always been kind of a basic, you know, a three or four flavor kind of thing. I've since changed my mind. I still, if you're going to like rank them, I think scotch is probably my favorite. Bourbon is right there next to it. But I've become such a bigger fan of bourbons and rye now because I've gone to distilleries and tasted different things at quality craft like this. This is eye-opening, like your white dog. I think it's funny or maybe not funny, but fun to see what bourbon has turned into. Yeah. I remember when I first started selling, you'd bring a bourbon out of the market, nobody wanted anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandpa drank that. And it's, it, and it goes along lines with just about anything you had a really bad experience with. I mean, every drinker, any, every drinker that I'm familiar with had a bad experience with tequila, had a bad experience <laughs> with, a, with a terrible rum, had a bad experience with that low-end vodka, probably had a bad experience with a bad whiskey, right? Oh, I'm sure. And then to see what it's turned into. When we were buying bourbon, we could get what they call the allocated stuff now, you know, mm. 30, 60 bucks a bottle, and it was everywhere. But now me and me and my father actually had a conversation not too long ago. I said, you know, are we being stupid? And dad, I said, I said to my dad, I said, what do you mean being stupid? And he goes, you know, why aren't we grabbing those 20 and $30 bottles anymore? And I said, you know, that's a fair point. He goes, because when we were grabbing Blanton's at 60, Buffalo Trace at 25. Right. You know, we we were really catching some some cool stuff in the beginning, right? And they were 25 and $30 bottles. Sure. So the next blockbuster's out there. Maybe it hasn't been identified yet because these allocations are going to get, you know, the golden ticket, right? Right. You know, go see Willy Wonka. You grab the golden <laughs> ticket, you get your bottle of Sazerac, something, you know, right? <laughs> but that's what it's going to end up being. So why not grab these 20 and $30 bottles, put them in a glass, let them breathe a little bit, and, and do like you did when you first had the first Buffalo Trace and you fell in love with it. Right. Or the first time tasting Blanton's and you fell in love with it. Sure. You know, check out those opportunities. You know, the craft side. Don't be afraid that because we don't have the big fancy name that we don't have some really cool stuff in our tasting room. 50 bucks a bottle on a, for a craft bourbon that may become your favorite. Who knows? Absolutely. Because well, that's, how, that's how we got our favorites to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite bourbons that I will always have on my shelf for both cocktails and just for sipping is Old Granddad. And it, obviously Jim Beam bought that name a while back and they make it now, but it's $25 on the shelf. My he, father's still favorite go-to bourbon and it has been, and this was another one, it was by chance, Evan Williams Single Barrel. Yeah, it's I great mean, stuff. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching it was 95 year, 96 year, 97 year. Dad's going, we already have a 10 year old bottle of whiskey sitting here. And it was really good. And it was really easy to get. And now it's nowhere. You can't yeah. find it anywhere. Nope. And at that time, another $30 bottle. You know, we grabbed that $30 bottle because maybe the marketing got us. Maybe the bottle was fancy or maybe the label looked pretty sharp. But we grabbed that $30 bottle and really, really enjoyed it. Yep. And now it's, we enjoyed it for a number of years. And now it's another one of those unattainables. You know, yep. so grabbing that cheap bottle and going for it, you know, old crow, some old crow stuff was pretty good in the very beginning. Absolutely. You know, yeah. maybe as a young drinker, not really knowing what you liked, but it got you, it got you into it. Yep. Right. Yep. I, well, so where I am out in in the DC area right now, where, I, where I'm living, um, Virginia is a state controlled, uh, they have their ABC stores and whatever, and they are required by law to sell MSRP. Um, but that means that, of course, they've sent out a, new, a newsletter that says, hey, uh, this month on the 5th, we're going to get a shipment from Buffalo Trace of their their Eagle Rare, their Wellers, their uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon. But it's like, OK, cool. So that's going to sell out within minutes. Right. It's MSRP. Right. You go across the border into D.C. or into Maryland. They're the Wild West, just like Wisconsin. Right. Which is great. 
But then the secondary market is like, oh, here's a bottle of Blanton's for $400. Right. Here's a bottle of Eagle Rare seven year. For and is it, a, has it changed from being the $60 bottle that it always used to be? No. The and whiskey, that's not to say it's bad bourbon. No, it's not bad bourbon. For for matter of fact, Blanton's was one of my favorite bourbons forever when sure. I could get it. Right. And now having a bottle that's sitting in my dad's liquor cabinet right now, and we have a back bottle and we're, we covet it because who knows if we'll ever see another one again. Right. Still maybe one of my favorite bourbons, but I'm of the reality I may never be able to get another bottle because I'm not going on a secondary market and paying $2,000 for it. I'm not getting a bidding war with some guy that's a collector no. and maybe not really appreciating what it is, right? right? right. It's, it's a $60 bottle of bourbon in reality. Is it worth $2,000? Not to me. No. I'll grab the next one in line that's 30, 40 bucks. Try that out. Sometimes you find some real dogs, <laughs> you know, but other times you find one, you know, like we're experiencing here, you know, your first experience with some of these things going, wow, this is pretty good stuff. Yeah. And I can get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the exciting right part. Yeah, <laughs> I'm making it. I can get it. Right. <laughs> I know the guy that makes this stuff. <laughs> You're going to call for me soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we try the last one? Absolutely. I think this is the one you've been waiting for. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, yep. just, I'm sweating a little bit. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the fear tier, is it? <laughs> no. So tell me about it. All right. So this is the one that I, I, I love it when we have people that come in and say, I'm not a whiskey drinker. My eyes light up because this is, this is that wrench that could possibly get you interested, right? Okay. It's like, you know, you're talking about wine. Yep. Not everybody. I'm a wine drinker too. I didn't start out with loving my big red cabs, you know, the big deep Zins. I started out with, you know, the the pop wines, right? Right. You know, big Moscatos. Yeah. Big sugar bombs, you know, that gets you, you're used to as a kid eating sugar your whole life. Of course. You know, candy was your reward if you did something good, right? So this is, this is, this is my avenue to say, you're not a whiskey person, perfect. Because this is the one that cheats, right? <laughs> and it's not, it's not, a flavored product right in a sense um i guess it's not even a sense i mean by definition it's not a flavored product it picks up all of its nuances from the barrel right. so just like it did as its as its base spirit and this one in particular is a bourbon mash um this is actually one of the maple syrup guys we play with all the time we we give him our barrels he ages his stuff he ate he he sells his barrel aged maple syrups and we get those barrels back wow and this is one, his maple syrup is fantastic. And those nuances come right out of that barrel, right into this bourbon. And it's just, it's fantastic. Oh, man. So maple syrup finished, not flavored. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a big right. distinction. Right. Oh, that's sweet on the nose. Oh, that's phenomenal. Like I said, cheating, right? That's cheating. But it's got all that bourbon, just beautifulness in it. And this is that 47 month old I was telling you about, probably the oldest. I think this is one of the oldest whiskeys that have come out of this distillery. So this is one of those that kind of got lost. It mm. was a it was a three year old bourbon that sat, you know, it was in a char two, which which we do for transfers because char twos just don't give you quite that finish that you want like a char three or char four will do. Sure. But they're great for transfers. And this one, when it transferred, it was already three years. Then it's been an additional uh, just about a year. So yeah. giving it that 47 month age profile. And this has become my favorite product in the facility. I can see why this is, this is, this drinks like a, a thinned out maple syrup with a bourbon flavor. This is the one you sit with your favorite cigar yep. in your comfy chair, big whiskey stone in there. Let that thing sit for about five minutes and yeah. just forget about the troubles for a couple hours. Right. <laughs> this is the one that does that for me. You're speaking my language. I'm a big cigar guy too. So. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm thinking a big, heavy cigar, a big, bold, like a Toro Fuente, something big shouldered yeah. with that sweetie, with that sweetie pie of bourbon sitting on the backside, just a perfect combination. Oh, that just sticks to your teeth. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a caramel reduction, like very, very, it's toasty, but also like super, super sweet. Well, I've had some people that come in from, from different areas that have had the, the miskies. Yeah. You know, their maple syrup. Would they use that as the base sugar essentially for the distillation? Right. And I've had a couple of them that are just, they're rough. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're high alcohol. You know, I think you remove wallpaper with some of these. <laughs> they just don't have the right taste profile for me. Right. You know, and like you said, you're allowed your opinion, but sometimes they're wrong. That one doesn't, that one doesn't speak to me. <laughs> no. So when I first tried this one, when I first started working here, I, I had that, that thought of that miski that I had with a buddy of mine. 
and he was so excited. He he bought the bottle. He's going, yeah, Jake's a whiskey guy. It's going to be something new for him. He's really going to appreciate this. Mm. We both sat down at the same time, opened the bottle, poured the shots for us. And we really looked at each other just to see what each other's reaction was. You know, and I don't know if you are with this with your buddies like I am, but you kind of put on the tough guy like, oh, I can handle this. Oh, of course. But but then after about, I don't think it was 15 seconds, I looked at him and went, this is terrible. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, I was so excited, but you're right. It is terrible. <laughs> but then when I first tasted this one, I heard, yeah, maple syrup finish. I'm going, oh, man, that miski thing would just it roll in the back of my head. Sure. You know, it's like the bad tequila experience or anything else. Yeah. I'm going, oh, I'm going to hate this. But then tasting is going, oh, no, this ain't this ain't the same. <laughs> this no. is not the same thing. God, I, I, it just it just sits in your mouth. There's a lot. This is like a you could almost. Have you done any cocktail experimentation with this? We haven't had to because it sits by itself so well. It I does. Mean, it would make a great old fashioned, but you wouldn't need much with it. No, I, but I, the, what my brain goes to is just like a perfect holiday additive because it, it almost has like a, a almost a cinnamon and nutmeg on the back end that 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 sweetness is giving. Right. For someone who doesn't like a straight bourbon, this would be perfect for putting in a, a really nice cocktail. Right. But you're right, though. This is by alone, maybe a couple drops of water to take the edge off for someone who's not a big whiskey person. Right. Right, oh but this God. is this, this is that one that if you're that beginning whiskey person too, this could open up the portfolio a for absolutely. you. Absolutely, because that there's no burn. No, that's insane. Well, no. I'm I'm biased, but <laughs> <laughs> but even even in some of the finer whiskeys I've had, you know, I've I've gotten to the point with tasting our profile and the way that our whiskey sits, I don't like that burn anymore. I mean, I'm I catch I, I catch some of those heads and tails on some of that big national branding stuff. Yeah, we went to Distill America and had a great time there. Got to experience. A lot of cool things, but it was quite often that I would taste something and go on, hmm. I've trained my palate that I'm catching something I don't like anymore. Right. You know, and I used to sell them for years. Sure. You know, and they were, they were top brands, the things you would recognize. But I would I taste them, well, even some of my favorites. I taste them again after, you know, learning the distilling trade a little better and learning the nuances of how you get different taste profiles out of your whiskeys and your end products. That there's really things that I don't like in some of that national branding that's out there now, and I and I'm, I guess maybe I'm more sensitive to it because the way maybe our whiskey's finished that don't have some of those things. That makes sense. Yeah. What I, I'm just out of curiosity because you, you mentioned it. What what do you do with your heads and tails? I've noticed a lot of craft distilleries are using their heads to clean their floors, <laughs> and they're using their tails to then put back in their gin and their vodka. Right. Um, we do for like our, our premium vodka. We use the heads and tails. We actually just stripped one out today. That's going to be our our premium. It's, uh, I actually play with that quite a bit. So it's going to be, we have 45 PGs to start it. Yeah. It's going to be 30 of our bourbon mash and then rye finish. So I put that together and that's ultimately going to be our, our end premium vodka after we, uh, we charcoal filter it out sure. and it's going to be neutral and sweet and, and, and wonderful. But, uh, you know, we, I, we, we pay attention to our cuts when we're going through our second distillation process. Um, we know that ethanol band runs you know, about three hours for us at about 173 degrees. Right. So we'll let that run about 10 minutes at the start of it, collect that, and we'll cut it about 10 minutes short at the back end. So we're not getting those, you know, that acetone, that methanol in the beginning, and we're not catching an isopropyl at the end. So we like we like that heart of hearts cut. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes that continued distillation, you get a little bit of that. You know, and the industry says that that's flavor. But for, for me and, and for, for our profiles, it's not the flavor we're looking for in our end product. So we'll actually collect that, run that as a third distillation, essentially. And we'll, we'll pick up that little bit of ethanol that may, we may have left behind, you know, purposefully left behind. But then we'll catch that same heads, hearts and tails again and just pay attention to it and, you know, get it, get it back. You know, we're not losing that ethanol band. We'll just pick it up at a later time. Right. That's awesome. Uh, so you do other other than whiskey. You do obviously rye is a whiskey, but you do rye, um, and then you have a, a vodka and a gin, and then you do a bunch of moonshine too, right? We actually I, I counted before I started here because I knew I was going to have that conversation or that question. <laughs> we actually have thirty five brands wow. that we're running through this distillery, which is 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 another unique thing for that. I don't know if it's even a unique thing for a craft distilling, for but for us it's it's unique, and we do it all well. I mean, we have you know we have a couple of flavored whiskeys. We have. Actually, I'm working on a new flavored whiskey that I'd like to have out this fall. That's a. It's a flavor profile that I've had fun working out with. Um, yeah, the moonshine line. 
I mean, that still pays our bills for us when the when the age spirits are maturing out. Sure, sure. Uh, vodka, gin, um, you know, specialty uh, bacon jalapeno specialty vodka. Ooh. A white pine vodka that we actually harvest the white pine right off the property, peel it up, throw it in gin baskets, throw it through the infusion still. That's so, cool. Yeah, so it, it's fun. That's the fun part. <laughs> so I guess last big question before we wrap up. What, what does the future hold? What, what, what can people look forward to from Northern Waters? Just that new stuff coming. Come yeah. keep checking us out because the barrels are going to change, yeah. right? Our, 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 if you like that double barrel profile in our whiskeys, the barrels are going to change. Therefore, the whiskey end is going to change. Um, I said there's a there's a new flavored profile coming out uh, on our wheat whiskey that I'm pretty excited about. Um, no, the new ownership. I mean, that's just going to be a change in environment, and the cocktails are changing all the time with our mixologists here. You know, I, I love giving him new things to play with because he he pulls out some really cool stuff. Sure. So that's where that craft side can really drive it home. We have something that's can be new to somebody every time they walk in. Right. Even if it's for a new T-shirt. I mean, even that <laughs> even that's kind of fun and cool. You know, if you're not that big drinker, taking home some merch, that's fun. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and still, it's the Northwoods, and we got fall coming, so the big colors are coming. That's gonna be well, one of my favorite times of year. Yeah. Winter's coming. I mean, it's maybe not my favorite time of year, but <laughs> the big snow is coming for that crew. That's going to be excited about that. So, well, I mean, you have a beautiful, beautiful space up here. I mean, we're, we're, we're recording in the distillery and I'm looking out behind you, the beautiful, uh, what's the lake called? Clawson Lake. Clawson Lake. I yep. mean, it's a beautiful view. I love Northern Wisconsin. I've always loved vacationing up around this, these parts. So you have an awesome little story to tell here. And I, I love that. And I mean, there's something to be said about a small, a small little craft operation that is doing great stuff. I mean, that you you would sell me on everything you said with just the maple bourbon so <laughs> well I, I think i sold you most of it when you hit that white dog right off the oh front. yeah no i'm still i saved a little bit for after so <laughs> yeah. I can... <laughs> yeah that surprises people when i put them through that no, i great. love that part of the tour taste the white dog because that'll set you up for everything else absolutely yeah well jake what you do here is great i appreciate you having me here and uh and doing this for me i i appreciate the spirits and uh i look forward to what's coming out pleasure thanks for the conversation yeah of course cheers, cheers man thanks man Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The more reviews, the easier we are to find. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow us on social media so you never miss any of our updates. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and always be sure to drink responsibly. There are quite literally thousands of distilleries, so we're just getting started. Stay tuned for more conversations with master distillers, distillery owners, mixologists, and even bar owners, and more. Cheers. Cheers.